Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. You can think you have life all planned out. And then one day something happens and you might be standing next to a grave and having a little conversation in your head and everything changes. And that thing that changes may be the biggest shock of your own system, plus a few other people's systems around you. But the beautiful shock is also the beauty of stepping in to being truly who you are. And today that's what we're talking about on Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and I'm always excited to have a fellow author on the podcast, especially someone who's taken a journey somewhat similar to my own, but also someone who's found the beauty of truly following their authentic heart, standing up to say, this is me and realizing this is the best part of life that's yet come into their world. And today we're inviting a author in by the name of Matt Bays. And I'm going to let him tell you the name of his book because I love the whole title and everything. And I don't want to steal the thunder with it, but um, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation because his coming to Jesus moment with himself well, I kind of let the dog, you know, the cat out of the bag, so to speak, uh, kind of how it all began to unfold. But Matt, welcome to Life and Closet, man. I'm really looking forward to like, like revealing more now that we've teased the audience with where we're going. Good, so, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm excited to be here. And uh, yep, um, it's quite a story. And yeah. my my book you mentioned is called Leather and Lace, and it is off the you know title the '80s Don uh-huh. Henley Stevie Nicks song, right? Uh, and the subtitle is A Gay Man Lost Love and a Road Trip with His Dead Sister. Uh, so there's yeah, there's a lot unpacked in that book. There is, and I love the like the road trip with the dead sister, which I think is it's like the unique twist of like you know where everything started to like open up for you, so to speak, and other stuff. But um, let's kind of go to like, hey, let's t- just talk the real truth. You you have kids, you've been married, and suddenly here's this revelation of oh, this is who I really am. What's been one of the things that you learned most about yourself since this whole journey began a few years ago? That I was gay. It was the main oh thing my I goodness. Learned. Thank God. I mean, because, you know, <laughs> I don't really know. I, I talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people who aren't gay on this podcast, but I love that because. Well, hey. God, you, you, you do sort of feel like um, for a long time. I mean, if you're raised, I was raised really, really conservative in evangelical Christian circles. And, and if you have all these people telling you it's not possible, you just sort of believe it's not possible. Right. And then if you get married and you're able to function, you know, mm-hmm. in a straight relationship, then you think, oh, it must not be true. It must just be some devil I've got, you know, that I'm trying to shake right. loose or whatever. But um, anyway, it was it was my sister's death that was the, the main impetus for me uh, sort of owning that truth. And it's, it's as cliche as it can fucking be the idea of, uh, somebody died, you know, and then you had this revelation that life is short, you know, but it's absolutely true. It is what happened to me. 
And I just, I wasn't happy for a very mm. long time. And, uh, and so uh, it was time for me to, you know, begin this journey that, listen, I'm not going to downplay it. It was painful, right. not only for me, but for a lot of people in my life and for this following that I developed that were all, you know, don't believe in gay people. <laughs> and uh, so it's, yeah, it's been quite a journey. But it's interesting too, to realize that, that following sort of thing, like, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, well, at least you're being yourself, but you go, yes, but it, it's actually been very painful. Well, I'm sure it is for everybody who comes out. No, it, there is a little bit different. And I'm not trying to say, oh my gosh, give us a more break, but it kind of is because there's a life that's been established. There's circles that you've ran in that there's some deep seated stuff that goes much deeper. Yes. Yeah. And as late in life as I was to the party, I mean, I was 46 years old, you know, almost 47 when I came out. And so God, I just, I had so many friendships and surrogate grandchildren, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? For my kids and just all of these deep friendships. And the funny thing is, is I I think I was just naive where I I didn't really expect to lose that many people. Uh, And people don't always sling shit and, you know, tell you to get out of their face or I'm never going to speak to you again. They they disappear slowly. They fade away, you know, over time. And then you realize one day, God, I have like two friendships or three friendships. And, you know, I'm a people person. So I had just friends like crazy, but I have very few friendships uh, that I had uh, before 2017 when I came out. Yeah. And it is interesting how they kind of like slink away in the night, kind of like a bad hookup. You know, it's like they were there and then suddenly, and then suddenly you're like, wait, what, what happened to you? Like, yeah. And then you kind of realize, Oh, okay. I, I see your true colors. You know, this is, yeah. And you don't want to be bad about it because I mean, but it, but it, you know, it's, it's, I I've been there before where Mm -hmm. I would have tried to talk somebody out of being gay, you -hmm. know, and hopefully if it was true for them, then maybe it could be true for me, you know, but I, I think people are, are doing the best that they can with the tools that they have, right. You know, but it's a, it is a major blind spot and a major deficiency that really does need to be rectified. You know, Mm -hmm. these aren't bad people. They're just, ignorant yeah you know that's about as truthful as you can get it's like yeah. you know and i hate to say the word ignorant but it's like you're you're ignorant and you won't go look for any other possibility right you just buy it hook line and sinker and you know coming yeah. from you know seventh day adventist church it's kind of the same thing it's like okay this yeah. is the way it is and you know i know there's certain groups within the seventh day adventist church now that kind of like oh we accept but but <laughs> but right you know, yeah. and, and then there's the extremes that like, okay, well, we accepted that could be true, but just don't act on it. It's like, okay, right. well, then you don't act on it either. Your your heteronormative is your truth, but please don't act on it. It'd be Acting a revolution. Acting on it has been one of my favorite parts <laughs> to this whole experience. Acting on it is just all it's part I of hope yeah. that it would be. <laughs> right, exactly. It is, you know, and it's funny. Well, and I was like truly in the closet, like, I'd never been with a man. Right. Like I had a couple, you know, little encounters, a touchy feely shit and right. college, whatever, but never, you know, and I just, I, I, 
my God, I just couldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, oh my God, the most wonderful, wonderful experience of my life and felt well, like the most normal thing. Like some people think it's like, you must be getting used to the coming out, the getting used to this new living into your authentic self and all that stuff. But the most natural thing in the whole world to me, while everything was chaos around me, the most natural thing was, was holding a man's hand, crawling mm-hmm. into bed with a man. That was mm-hmm. the thing that wasn't even strange at all. Right. It was, it was just, it's like second nature. Yeah. And yet people want to go, Oh, it's so not natural. I'm like, well, what yeah, if you were is. told, so what if you were told yeah. if crawling into bed with your husband or your wife as a heterosexual wasn't natural? Right. How does that make you feel? You know? Yeah. And again, I don't ever focus. I mean, I don't try to focus about it's all about the sex because I know it's not all about the sex. That's a big, it's a big part of it. If that's what's really drives you, but sure. there's this thing about mm-hmm. like being with the person or a person that's like, Oh, this feels right. Yeah. It actually feels right to roll over. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things is to roll over in the middle of the night and be able to like, just put, spoon my husband and put my arm around him. That feels so natural. Yeah. Did I do that with my wife? Yeah. I wouldn't say it didn't feel natural, but I can tell, wow, there's a, big difference yeah well i'm not trying to say my husband's hung or anything but i'm just saying there's a big difference oh there you God. know you yes. know because it's it's like yeah. there's this like the, i don't know it's hard it's sometimes it's really hard to explain it's like yeah this okay this is what yeah this is what is right yeah and if you haven't experienced it people people aren't going <clears> to <throat> understand it's just you got to take somebody's word for it. it's really not that hard to understand right you know and, right. and well I think because we're not that different people yeah. O- you know? Outside of this, this small, you know, grouping of this evangelical church that is slowly dying off and needs to, uh, with regard to all of this, uh, most people get that. Right. Right. You know? What's the thing that you feel like has surprised you the most about yourself? Cause I, I can tell you that thing that surprised me the most is suddenly I was happy. I was like smiling. I was happy people quit saying, you never smile. And of course, I just wanted to slog them when they'd say, you never smile. And, and it took a few years before I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I am happy. I'm smiling. And da, 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 da. You know, or you're so serious. You're always so serious. Well, of course, I was serious because I was living double lives. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get caught, you know, doing anything that didn't make sense. Yeah. But um, I'm just curious if there's anything that kind of surprised you that suddenly besides, hey, this really fits. Well, one of the things that has surprised me is uh, just... I feel like my creativity kind of exploded, Mm. you know, in living more into who I was, it sort of took down the guardrails for all kinds of, uh, like negative self-talk of, well, you can't do that. This person will be mad or this person will be angry, or you want to be careful that you don't offend, blah, 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 all that. Uh, and I did so much of that in my life that I feel like I just stifled my creativity and I'm a creative person. So it has been, uh, just amazing to sort of take, take that stuff off, set it to the side and let myself explore this natural creative space that I think I was, you know, there's this opening up to oneself. I think that really, not only do you open up to your truth about your sexuality, but then there was other stuff I started to see. And like, suddenly I be, I became a cyclist and then I'm like, became a spin instructor because I love doing it. And yeah. Suddenly I had fun doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, again, the podcast came along when I started like, Hey, I'm going to become a coach and all these different things. But so much of what 
started happening was never stuff that was on the radar. It wasn't there. And if somebody would have told me in 1999 that, Hey, you're going to write a book and you're going to coach people and you're going to have a pod, two podcasts. You're going to be, I would have said, no, I don't, I don't think so. That don't sound like me one bit. Now I don't know what I'd do without it because not that I need it per se, because there's not these needs, but it's that space of myself that I'm like, Oh wow. This is really who Rick is. Yeah, this yeah. is what Rick looks like when he's being free. So, um, so yeah. let's talk about the book. Like, was this okay. like a minute you came out? Like, okay, now I got to write the book. I'm sure that's not what happened, but no, no. Uh, I, I, I wasn't planning on writing it for a while, and because my sister, I believed that she was going to be a part of this experience. I needed time. You know, she died uh, on Halloween of 2016, Mm -hmm. which was really the beginning of a a process. And I started working on the book uh, about a year and a half ago uh, or a year, a little over a year ago. I worked really, really hard on it. And the road trip, the book takes place. um, Now it calls back in time development as a child. Uh, you know, all of the stuff that sort of made me who I am, but it it really took place over a six week road trip period Mm -hmm. of a road trip. Uh, And because I had entered into a relationship right at at, uh, the onset of my divorce in 2017, um, I didn't do the whole gay apps and uh, all that stuff. I went right into a relationship and I'm a a monogamous guy. And so that's just what I did. So I was sort of thrown into this gay community uh, and it, and that was very uncomfortable for me for some different reasons we can talk about if you want to, but, but um, once, once I broke up with my boyfriend that I was with for two and a half years and we're still amicable and still friends. But once we broke up and I started, that was the first time that I started into the world of dating, Mm -hmm. you know, the apps, all that (laughs) shit that I did not understand. (laughs) And it was shocking. Like I I didn't know what I didn't know. So uh, there's so many fun stories in the book that are you know, uh, that's all a part of it. Dates that I'd went on. <laughs> oh God. It was a lot of self-discovery, yep. you know, of, of what that world can be like. Mm-hmm. I think this is interesting for anybody coming out because there's this like whole different world, because first of all, nobody taught us how to do this dating thing. Number one, very few right. people, let alone dating somebody of the same sex. Didn't happen. Yeah. Didn't happen. Well, and, and you, Rick, like, I, I did, I did not know that it was so, like, just sexualized, and I that people were going to send pictures and oh, here's my photo album, and I'm like, oh, must be pictures of his dogs, you know. I just didn't know anything. I was so naive to all of this, and so it was. It was a surprise, yeah. definitely a surprise that, and it, it took a while to get used to. You have to have a, a wingman. I've decided if you're on the apps, you need a wingman, somebody to hold your hand and, kind of guide, and guide, guide you through, through that. But it's yeah, interesting it's too. It's interesting, Matt, because, and again, I, I came out in 99. So even in 99, I was ahead of like the old way of doing it too. Like go to yeah. the bar, do this. Right. So then suddenly were you excited about that or were you nervous about all that 
I was okay with it because I was in an interesting space in my world where I had a lot of gay and lesbian people in my circles. Okay. So I was used to going to gay bars with them. I was always nervous about going to gay bars with them because of course, you know, my little heart's going pitter pat, pitter pat, pitter pat. And now after the fact, it's really interesting to talk to some of them. I'm like, we were your wing people. We knew you, we knew what was going on with you, but we weren't going to say anything until you, until you said something, you know? Yeah. And so I was okay with it. Now, right after I came out, it was interesting because okay, I'm doing this, but now I can do this. I can do this and I don't have to have, quote, you know, the posse with me to make it happen, so to speak. Yeah, I get to be gay. That's what I, that's my little. But then it was really, that's when it was really scary. It's like, okay, I'm going to the bar. All my buddies aren't available. And this is where my introvert really showed up. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like little wallflower, like, you know. And so that was tough until I realized, okay, I'm going to do this. And then there was like, bits and pieces that come into terms with like, okay, well, I don't really want to hook up all the time, even though I was hooking up before I was not, I was not a good boy at all, but suddenly I'm like, Oh, I can do this without having to hook up. You know, I don't have to like, okay, I have to do this to do stuff. And so it was just, it was an interesting journey coming into it. And like you went on a lot of different dates and stuff, dated some people. I'm like, Oh no. Oh yes, this is it. This is the one. And then crash burn. And and I, when I did finally meet my husband, I hadn't been dating for like a year, year and a half. Cause I'm like, I'm just done. I'm done. Yeah. And that was a very short time frame because it was like only a couple, like a year and a half that I'd been out. And I'm like, I'm done. I needed to like, just stop and learned a lot about myself. Like, okay, yeah. I've discovered what I like, what I don't like prior to that. While I was married, it was all, it was all sexualized. It was guys just like me, mostly that I was hooking up with that. Hey, we're just getting off. Let's not tell the wives or, Oh, I really want, you know, I want to be with a guy like you. And I'm like, well, I'm married. Okay. Bye. See it. You know? So it's interesting. So I did a lot of that stuff pre being out. And then once I got out, it was like coming to the whole different terms with wait, I don't know how to date because I really had never dated. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So lots of interesting. I was, I was old uh, when I, well, old, older, 47, you know, coming out and, um, and, and I had raised two kids, you know, and, and so I, I knew what I didn't want, you know, and I, I just didn't want the world of hookups and I, I couldn't even imagine, I was trying to imagine, you know, and that's what I'd figured out on the apps that it's like, you're giving somebody your garage code and like what they're supposed to come in and find your ass up, you know? in the bedroom. I I, like, I couldn't imagine that that people actually did that, but I know that that is that world. No judgment, not for me. You know, I love sex. I was very excited to have sex, but, um, but I I knew that that world wasn't going to work that way for me. And so uh, the book really became a place where I was working out a lot of what I was feeling versus what I was being told to do, because I had so many friends, Rick, that were just like, this is your chance, go crazy, explore right. your space, you know, no guardrails, just go for it. Right. And I found myself self-monitoring, like, I, I just don't want that. I don't want to go crazy. And know? in the gay community, sometimes you can get really beat up, like, what are you doing? You could do this, go do it, you know? 
what do you mean? Go do it. Well, just go be crazy. Go hook up, go have sex all the time. Sure. You, know? you know, and suddenly the, here's the messages you're getting. And it's almost yeah. like, but that's not who I am. Oh, like, okay, well, you're not really gay then. And it's like, no, there's no oh, handbook there is some for of this. that. Yeah. Where you get a lot of you, that. more that you get. And it actually hurt my feelings. I'm going to sound like a baby ass, but I did a little bit because I, I felt with a lot of the guys that I was running with that they thought that I was just this stuck up sort of, you know, prima donna or whatever, or that I thought I was just too good for that life. And it wasn't like, like knock yourselves out. If you guys want to fuck around all over the place, you know, you do you. Right. But I just didn't see that bringing anything good into my life. Right. You know, I just, I didn't want to do that. And it's right. not like I didn't date and fool around. I did, you right. know, but uh, I sort of had, you know, rules set up for my self mm-hmm. and and then i'm i'm married today and i'm i don't feel like i missed out on anything mm-hmm. and when i'm coaching people i'm like i'm like you're gonna feel like a kid in a candy store but you get to choose how much of a kid in a candy store you want to be and do not listen yeah. to the rest of the community that says here you got to go taste all the candy you can but you got to do your journey your way and that's where you're yeah. going to be the most true to yourself you know, yeah. is, is because if that's part of your makeup is like, Hey, I want to date and I want to be monogamous or whatever that is to go try to be something completely different is probably going to be a disservice to yourself. I do believe you got to kind of go play around and figure it out too, but that doesn't mean hook up, hook up, hook up, hook up. Okay. I figured it out. There's so much more to, to a gay relationship than just the sex. Right. And I think that's the thing that a lot of A lot of guys, women seem to kind of do it a little bit better, but a lot of guys miss this piece of, okay, so you have great sex, but what else is there? What what happens after that? Not just like the breakfast the next morning, but like, can you do this with this person on 24 seven? You know, can you go hang out for a long weekend and do, oh, well, wait, we had sex. Okay. Well now what do we do? If there's not, you know, and I, I've seen this happen over and over with a lot of my clients where they either go to one extreme or the other, they're like just sex, 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 sex. And they're like, I can't really find a relationship. I'm like, well, are you spending more than (laughs) hour and a half with somebody? And then it's not happening. You're wondering like, uh, well, yeah, I do that seven nights a week with the same person. No. Okay. Yeah. Go explore. But, you know, also give yourself that grace to like, Hey, I got to figure out what it is I want. I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I had an idea, but I really didn't know, yeah. you know, I knew I wanted to be with a guy. And then when I did meet the guy that brought me out of the closet, I thought, okay, this is it. And then it wasn't, but I, thank God it did what it did because now it was, here's where I'm at. But yeah, it's an interesting well, journey point, to say the least. Yeah. I think at some point you got to ask yourself, what is it that I want and is what I'm doing going to get me there? And mm-hmm. if, if the answer is no, and what I'm doing is not working, then it's, you got to try something else. Right. You know? And there's so many, you know, so many people, I'm going to say people before I go to where I want to go next, that get to their midlife and they're still like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want because I've never slowed down and really done the work to like, okay, what is it I really want? And so I'm going to go where I was going to go. So many gay men, especially it's like, okay, you know, I work with predominantly guys in midlife at this point. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want? You say you want a better career. What does that look like? I don't know. Well, have you done, like, have you sat down and said, if I had X, it would look like this. 
well, no, but I don't even know how to think that way. So there's a lot of like, you got to like unpack and unravel and all this. And the same thing comes sure. with being in a relationship and dating and all this other stuff. Um, and because as gay men, you know, we all fall into this path of, oh, you can't be that. You shouldn't be that. You know, I don't know hardly any gay men that can tell me they've never had that conversation of you can't be gay. That's not what you're supposed to be. And so there that sits ingrained in our subconscious, even at 47, 58, whatever, how old we are. Yeah. And it'll show up. It's going to show up. It shows up for me every once in a while in weird, weird ways. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. oh I didn't know that little lovely kernel of a gem was still sitting back there in my subconscious. Yeah. But, so the book kind of takes us on this journey. And as you were writing the book, was there something that just like stuck out like, oh, wow, I just really discovered this now about myself? Because I know when I wrote mine, there were several moments I'm like, oh, wow, didn't see that one. Yeah, I, I think two things. One was uh, a conversation. I'm an AA guy. I've been mm. sober for nearly 15 years. And my sponsor, you have sponsors, which are sort of like right. mentors, you know. Yep. And um, one of the things that he said to me is, when I was trying to figure out if I was gay um, and I was literally still trying to figure out if I was gay because I just wasn't sure because right. my plumbing worked with women, you know, even though it's not what I preferred or wanted. Uh, anyway, he said, uh, you need to get in a room alone. These are his words. You need to get in a room alone with God. Uh, nobody else in there. Kick out your kids, kick out your ex-wife, kick out, uh, or my wife at the time, kick out your mother, kick out all your family, friends, everybody, the church, you know, and just ask the question, you know, am I gay? And I was like, well, you know, it's not that easy. And he was like, no, I think it is. If there's no consequences, if there's no, right. you know, and I was like, but that, that if there is, and he was like, right, right. But that doesn't matter that that's not what the, the, the truth is just the truth. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. The yep. truth does not change based on consequences or people surrounding it. The truth right. is just the truth. That's what we're trying to answer first. That was one of the most clarifying moments of my life because I knew what I knew immediately that the truth was that I was gay. Yep. And once I admitted that to him, he said, okay. And I said, so what do I do? And he goes, you just sit here now. You just sit here. And I'm like, but do I need to? He was like, you don't need to do a damn thing. And we're not going to worry about consequences fall out. How does it change? I said, does it mean I need to get divorced? He said, it doesn't mean anything. We're just looking for the truth, mm -hmm. Matt. That's it. Yep. It was really, really helpful for me. Uh, and I really appreciated that uh, moment with him because it clarified and paved the way for me to be able to move forward in my life and sort of adopt uh, this change right. you know, for me, which is, oh God, it's just been wonderful wonderful mm -hmm. and well, then, it's, it's, it's uh, a breath of fresh air to be yourself oh it, it, yes it is it is it's it feels like a gift mm -hmm. you know that you don't realize that you're walking around feeling like you've got on a face mask and a snorkel in your mouth and that's yep. how you're experiencing life you know yep. it's just this weird sort of slogging around and you don't even realize it's that strange until you get unencumbered from all of these things and are able to just sit in your own truth as you are it's 
stupid that we didn't and that people are still promoting this idea of that something's wrong with it. It's just such bullshit. So I just have a deep desire to be able to communicate that with those people that are still struggling. Yeah. Well, and and I love the the story you shared. The truth is the truth. And it's actually one of the tenants that as a coach, when I was going through my coach certification, that came up several times and it happened that my, my trainer in the coaching program, he was a gay guy too. And and we had a lot of conversations around this, even though there was 80 other people going through this particular certification. And he says, isn't it interesting when you see these people who've never been confronted with that concept? Because we have, we've been really confronted with this as gay men. It's like, this is my truth. Nobody seems to get this is my truth, but this is my truth. And so as we did the exercises in this in group settings, just to watch people confront their truths about stuff, it was mm-hmm. it really, really, really powerful. One of the last times I spoke on stage, I was talking about, you know, <clears throat> living your truth. And then the, the statement that I end every speech with is the truth of who you are is far more powerful than the false truth you're pretending to be. So go show us who you are. Yeah. And the next day at this conference, I had this girl like Instagram me like I was in the audience and, you know, you, you really impacted me. And the truth of who I was, was I'm just not supposed to be with the boyfriend I'm with. And I went and broke up with him. I'm like, oh, damn, I just broke up. A, I just broke up a relationship. But she goes, but it was so true. I wasn't supposed to be with this guy. And he's a great guy, but I'm just not supposed to be with him. And I thought, you know, first I'm like, damn it, I broke somebody up. But I'm like, no, I didn't. She saw something that said, here, here's where I'm going, you know? And I, I think when we can embrace our truth, it actually may be hard, like what happens after that. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of like, as your, as your sponsor said, just no, just be with this. This is your truth. Yeah. No judgment, yeah. no need to do anything right now. This is like, you got to sit with it. And I mm-hmm. remember sitting with my truth, like after I met the guy in London and <clears throat> flying home from London nonstop to LAX to, and I knew I was coming home to tell my wife I'm gay and you know, this is, we're done. There's nothing like sitting on a plane full of people and going, nobody on here knows this. Nobody knows what's happening, but I had, you know, eight hours nonstop of like just being able to sit. And I, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I just kept saying, yeah, and this is true. And there's what I know to be, you know, myself being honest. And, yeah, you know, it's kind of like being in that little capsule flying across the sky and going, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here with what is my truth for me. And I yeah. hope a lot of people hear this, you know, really hear this part of our conversation tonight, because I believe this is where it starts. You've got to hear your truth and own it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to get real quiet, you know, Mm -hmm. and and turn off the voices around you uh, and, you know, let God, the universe, whatever it is that you conceive that to be something greater than yourself, probably um, speak, you know, mm-hmm. deep within you to be able to uncover what that is and then just sit in it, accept it, you know, get used to it. But it's also an interesting conversation too, because I've had people ask this question. Okay. So you come to your truth, you sit with your truth and that's your truth for you. So what about the person who says, well, but that can't, that can't be true for you because being gay can't be your truth. And it's always I such mean, an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's, it's, I find it to just 
like I don't even have the strength or the mm-hmm. desire uh, to have conversation. It's like, go Google it, bro. Yeah. You know, and like, just go over there and do whatever you need to right. do. I just don't have time for those conversations right. anymore. They are so antiquated and just, well, they're yeah. toxic. They're just they yeah, bring negative like, energy up that you don't even have to address. Yeah. If it's what, if it's your take on my life, I'm just not interested. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's actually where I go. I'm like, well, that can be their truth, but it doesn't have to be mine. Right. right. And I guess what my truth also says, I don't have to partake in their truth. I literally do sure. not. You go be you. That's fine. Not really fine. Cause I'm like, you're idiots, but go be you. But I don't have to be a part of that energy. I don't have to show sure. up. I don't have to battle you. I don't even have to argue with you. I just, yeah. I'm cool with who I am. And I own who I am in that moment. So, so what, what would be like the core message you would really say you want? I know this is, I hate it when people used to ask me this about my book. So what's the core message you want people to take away? But I ask it a little bit differently. Like what's the core message in the book that if somebody misses it, it would be really disappointing to you that they didn't hear it. I know that's a big question. Because I can tell you what mine is. You can read the yeah. whole, frankly, my dear, I'm gay book. And the one message that I hope everybody hears is the greatest thing you can be able to say is frankly, my dear, I'm. And I don't care what follows that. It can be something that's just that simple. If they can't hear that you can be who you are, frankly, my dear, I'm whatever that is. And that gives you power. And then, of course, I started speaking on college stages about this, too. And I remember when I first got asked a question very similar, I'm like, that's a really good question. Because it's not, what do you want people to take away? It's like, if they miss this one thing, what would you want them not to miss? And I want them to miss that it isn't about, frankly, my dear, I'm gay. It's about, frankly, my dear, I'm. I am. This is what I am. Whatever that has to be true for you. I I think for mine what what i've always wanted to do number one is call people out of their hiding places mm-hmm. it's a big thing for me uh, that's very important to me and secondly i i always think if that my sort of calling in life is to uh, is to help people feel okay to know that they are loved And, you know, there's a writer that says that it's from our wounds out of the core ache within us that we find our calling. And I think for me that that's true. It's because of the struggle that I've had. You know, I, I sort of appear as a confident, you know, happy go lucky. I'm an ENFP Myers-Briggs, you know, and I'm a two on the Enneagram. I'm a giver, I'm a lover, you know, and a champion for people. But I think down deep that that inability to love myself as I was, was the problem. So this journey for me was uh, a pursuit of love. I I wanted a relationship. I knew that that's something that I wanted. I didn't feel bad about that. But more than anything was to be able to uh, find love exactly as I was if only by myself, mm-hmm. you know, if only for myself, I yeah. needed to have that love. And that's what I hope that people can find that whenever, when all bets are off, when nobody's waiting in the wings for you, and it's just you, 
is there not that there's not a longing for a relationship or whatever it might be in life that's broken, but is there an awareness that I'm a good person and I'm worthy of love, mm. you know, and that's really what I hope, uh, that can remain in my life and that I can find that at ever increasing levels and that I can help others find as well. I love that. And you said something else too, that I, I caught that I want to make sure people hear that you feel okay. You can't just go from I'm a victim and I feel like shit to it's all wonderful. You got to just step up to I'm okay. Because as soon as we can say we're okay, then the other stuff can start building upon that. And I think for so many of us who come out of the closet, we got just feeling, okay, I'm okay. Nothing, nothing tragic really did happen. Sometimes it is. Sometimes people get thrown out of their homes and stuff. Okay. But you're still okay. You're okay. Yeah. And sometimes we go for it, but I got, it's got to be great. Everybody's got to embrace me. There's got to be rainbow flags and confetti and everything. Cause I no, you just need to, you just need to know you're okay. And as soon as you can yeah. be okay, then to your point, then you can step into I'm worthy of love and I can really do this. And I'm so glad you said what you just said, because I just recently had a coming out or not a coming out chat. A, a, I hold these chats once a month with um, coming out groups and then like guys over 40. And we just did one around Valentine's Day where we talked about, OK, so, you know, let's get real about what it's like to be single around Valentine's day. And we talked about, you know, some guys don't care and they're like, so what? It's just another day and all this sort of stuff. But the gist of the conversation turned right back to you're worthy to be loved. Even if that love is just with yourself, you know, go do something for yourself on Valentine's day. If you're so inclined, not because it's Ooh, Valentine's day, I better love myself today. But knowing you're worthy of love is a huge, huge piece of the puzzle in our community because we've been told you're not loved so much. Yeah. Oh, you got that right. And honestly, Rick, I think one of the best ways to come to terms with that is by going through uh, a heartbreak, (laughs) you know, that that's uh, one of the main things that I'm wrestling with in the book of being with somebody for two and a half years, my first love out of the gate, Yep. Uh, somebody that I loved so, so much and yep. did not know the impact of losing somebody and going through that heart, that kind of heartbreak. And man, it makes you question everything about mm-hmm. yourself. Okay. I had seen it in the movies. I had read it in books, but I had never experienced it. Yep. And my God, I, I, I just didn't know how I was ever going to be okay again. Isn't that interesting? It's like, oh it my sure gosh, I'm is. never gonna, I'm never gonna get through this. And then, but yet, what's I, so I interesting? What's so interesting, Matt, is if you think about the journey we go on, where we were married and we came out, that was a big breakup too. Yeah, but we we made it past that. Now I realize we're on that other side of the fence. Like, okay, now I get to go be this. But when I really started un, like unraveling all of that and going, okay. And then again, my guy, same thing. I wasn't with him near as long. I mean, he was the first guy I met. And, you know, four months later, I'm out of the closet. And he's like, I'm out of here. I can't do this. You got too much going on with, you know, divorce and all this sort of stuff. I was so devastated. I was just like, yeah. okay, why did I do this? Why did, what was the whole point of this? Yet when I think about, okay, on the scale of how much pain there was compared to how much the divorce and separation and all, oh, night and day. Those two did not compare at all. It was when I got into like the third relationship out of the closet and that one went south. I was like, 
I don't know if I can make it through this. I don't know because there, there'd been integration of kids and there was stuff going on that I'm like, okay, here we go. And I thought, I don't think I can pull myself up. But even then I'm like, I know you pulled yourself up out of the other really tragic thing of the 13 year relationship. So it's an interesting thing to realize you can do this. Number one, you will be okay. And as you said, to love yourself, you know, that you are worthy of love. It's huge. Yeah, I have to be enough for me realizing that nothing pisses me off more than the salon articles and all the different articles online that say, until you're good with being alone by yourself, you're not good for anybody else or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. You know, I'm just not like, I don't feel bad about it. I want to be with somebody. That was the end goal for me was not to be alone because I love people. I'm a relator and I don't feel guilty about it. But that's you owning yourself. See, that's Absolutely. the thing. That's you owning. Yeah. Here's what make. Here's what works for me. Yeah. And this can is, I do life alone? Yeah. Yes. Can I figure it out alone? Yes. Is that what I want? And do I enjoy it? Not really. Mm-hmm. Like who I am, but love being in a relationship. Yeah. You know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But it goes deeper than that. It's oh, it's much about deeper. looking at for me personally, and everybody has their own story, looking back at that little boy who's five, six years old, who's nine, 10, discovering there's something different about him, who's sitting in the junior high locker rooms, wondering what the hell is going on with these naked boys around him. And knowing that he survived all of that, that he did a good job and didn't know what the hell he was doing. You know, that I can look to those versions of myself and realize that wasn't some moment in time that was actually me right i'm proud of him i'm proud of that dude good job well done you know and those are the moments where you embrace yourself fully yes yes yeah there isn't any amount i mean i i can think back to all those times too where i'm like oh selling the glances in the locker rooms and i didn't i went to a private you know, high school and, you know, I didn't live in the dorms, but I was there quite a bit. And I was deeply in love with my best friend in high school, but I couldn't talk about it. And he totally did turned me on. Did you know you were in love? Oh yeah, I did. I knew, I, I knew there, you I did. was so attracted to him, but I couldn't talk about it. I yeah. couldn't, you know, I just couldn't, I knew it. I knew it deeply. And, and, and so senior year, yes, that happened two years later, I came out to my parents and that's when they said, Nope, not going to be that. You're going to go talk to the pastor. And yeah rest was history there, but also it was a time where I realized I'm glad it happened the way it did. Yeah. That sounds crazy because there's lots of other things that needed to occur. First of all, I'm glad it happened because that was right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic and I was naive and stupid. And I, I don't, I, I always say, I don't think I would be here having this conversation if I had like, okay, I'm going to be out. Cause I, I just don't think I would. Um, but I also realized through all of that, that there's the beauty of looking in the rearview mirror that teaches you so much about exactly why you are where you are right now. Right. Yeah. But you got to look at it from the perspective of look at how much wisdom I gained. Don't do it with regrets. And that so many people who, you know, I'm sure this happened to you to some degree too. You come out later in life and some of the thoughts are, but I wasted so much time. No, you didn't. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. It's exactly yeah. what's supposed to have unraveled. You know, I have, I've had clients actually have somebody in my world right now, 72 years old, 
72. And he's like, yep, I actually have a, I have another one that I don't, I didn't coach him, but I know, I know him. We've had a couple of conversations and he was 92, 92. He's still kicking. Wait, when he came out. Yep. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Yep. It's amazing. But then there's the whole other side of the thing. Like I have these conversations with young people. It's like, Oh, you know, it's taken me so long to come out. I'm like, how old are you? I'm 21. I'm like, Oh no, you don't get that (laughs) title. You do not get, but in their mind, I mean, there's kids coming out when they're seven, eight years old now. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, my, my, I know somebody who came out when they were eight years old and I'm 21. I'm like, okay, it's all kind of relative to some degree, but yeah, it's such an interesting journey. So, um, yeah, well, I love this conversation. Thank you for being who you are. Love the book. I would love everybody to like, hey, go go see the book. Go grab the book. We'll have the website up where they can get the book. Um, is it just available on the website or is it like in all it's, retailers uh, where you can buy books? If I could tell you a couple of things. No, yeah, it yeah. is available on Amazon and it's available ebook. And I also there it's on Audible. Cool. Um, and there's kind of different little things about uh, each version, the audible version, uh, each one starts with a very short snippet of one of the 80 songs. There's, cool. there's an 80 song like arc through it. That is kind of cool. Uh, and those snippets are things that I recorded. I'm a musician oh, cool, and, man. uh, first, but then in the, in the book, uh, there are QR codes at the end of each chapter, uh, that you can scan with your phone and it'll take you to, uh, a site where there's just all kinds of goodies from that chapter photos from the road trip, people I met along the way, all kinds of different things, which is pretty awesome. That makes it a little interactive. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, love meeting you love the book. And um, one of the things I love to do is when I have authors on um, whoever sends me an email to Rick at rickclemens.com. The first person who sends me an email says, Hey, I want Matt's book. I will send it to you um, just because I like sharing, sharing the glory and the wealth of an author. So um, whoever is hearing this um, and actually, we actually have a common friend, um, another Matt, he's a pastor in California. Nightingale. Yeah. Yeah. He and I know each other for quite a while. Oh, sweet. Yeah. 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 I I just got to know Matt over the last year. He actually endorsed, wrote an endorsement for me. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Good guy. um, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Really great stuff. Well, Thank you for being who you are and doing what you do. And thanks for being part of this podcast. I love sharing these stories. And um, hey, if another book comes out or something else happens, let me know. I love to have the chat again, man. So right back at you. Thanks so much, Rick. Of course, of course. And all of you keep going out there, being who you are, loving who you are, showing up in your truth and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.